know, you have to be willing to be lucky. You know, you have to you have to create the uh, space for luck to touch you, and uh, and it's over and over and over again. It's not like it's not like one big break. It's it's a thousand little breaks. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 37. I'm Elise Siebert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are speaking with actor and Emmy Award winner, Joe Pantoliano, and his daughter, producer, filmmaker, Danny. We talk about celebrity versus craft, family vacations to movie sets, and leaving a little room for luck. And that, 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 I just can't make up my mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like something I'd say to somebody. <laughs> I like that. Joey, I like how um, Ralphie on The Sopranos, you're, the beginning of all your scenes, you're always telling a joke or you're like finishing up a joke. It feels like in a lot of the scenes. Do you remember that? No. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Too long ago. It's like the punchline. Like a lot of the scenes I watched, it was like Ralphie telling a joke. It's really interesting. At the beginning of the scene, yeah. I've never seen that show, but I could see him doing that. He does that in real life, so he's always wow. telling jokes. You know, I, I just remember David Chase describing, you know, it's we, you know, it's a two-year job. You know, he'll eventually come up up against Tony and uh, lose, and uh, you know, we want him. We want him to be charming and funny. You know, he's he's a scumbag, but they're all scumbags. <laughs> like uh, that's the that's the base level, scumbag. Well, you know that. Yeah. I mean, the, the Sopranos is interesting because it's odd how they became, um, the, you know, the fan base. Even though you know Tony, the bad guy doing bad things. You know, when you consider what's going on in today's politics and, but, you know, he was a misogynist and, um, and he was a murderer and he was, he was all of these things. Uh, but, but the audiences loved him. And I, I think a lot of that had to do with Gandolfini because he was so lovable. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, it's like the same thing. Why? people adore bullies you know uh, what is it about since you know the, the sopranos has been over what 12 years now oh, but what is it about you know reality television and the business model or the emulation of of People that are backstabbers. Where you take any any reality show, and there, there's bickering and there's backstabbing. I mean, even in Survivor, people are politically, you know, double dealing each other uh, in order to survive. Um, gossip and dishonesty and all of this is occurring, and then you have people emulating that in society. Uh, you know, Kim Kardashian, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Kardashian <laughs> and Paris Hilton um, create, produce their own sex video 
leak it themselves and it becomes a business model. So all of, you know, half of society's young women are making sex tapes with their boyfriend in the hopes that they will be discovered and have their own reality show. It's a sickness. It's yeah. a sickness. And, uh, you know, it's like, the, you know, it's like these people believe that reality shows are real. They don't understand that they're scripted. They don't understand that they're made up. They don't, they don't understand that wrestling is, is, yeah, is totally choreographed fake. and designed, <laughs> you know? And so now you have a, you have a WWF wrestler as president. I would love The Rock as president. I'm just saying that right now. He has my vote. He totally has my vote. He would be the better choice, he right? Be, he's amazing. <laughs> he but does Rock, no wrong. But The Rock is not The Rock. These guys are not who they, you know. I'm, yeah. yeah. You know, we're, personas, we're yeah. invented. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's invented. It's, a, it's all imagined and make-believe, and, and, and we are paying the price. I really do believe that we need a nuclear war to tilt out I think a nuclear war wow. is the only thing that's going to end these machines and television. I think, you know, that that our sickness and disease and the depravity and the ability to want to be a star, mm -hmm. you know, it's like want, you know, this this podcast is a, you're giving advice to people that want to be celebrities. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to nobody wants to learn a craft anymore. Well, Nobody wants that, to. I think that's the hard thing, right? Is when when you're called to be an artist, and especially in in the acting and filmmaking world, you feel called to be an artist and to tell stories. But at the same time, it's kind of tainted because of this stardom, being famous kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like how how did you, how did you balance that, Joey? Like in your career? Well, you know, I I, I think I wasn't paying attention to. There was no emphasis when I was a kid. You have to understand that in 1970, I started going to acting school. So is that going to fuck you up? No, it's fine. We usually Very record cool. in the city, so there's always a hunk there's in the corner or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a storyteller. Uh, there, were, there were people in my life that I that that moved me and impressed me. And I wanted to be an actor like Montgomery Clift uh, uh, or, or Robert Duvall or uh, Donald Pleasance or, you know, uh, I think one of my favorite actors discovering on, on Million Dollar Movie, you know, was uh, Charles Lawton. I wanted to know how he did what he did and how he's able to become all these different characters and um, and so I uh, and so I I found acting teachers that like Herbert Berghoff was my first acting teacher who was one of the original uh, twelve people at the Actors Studio uh, that was started by Kazan and Bobby Lewis and Cheryl Crawford, and then. You know, Bobby Lewis was one of my teachers. So these these actors had a a training basis that I wanted that training. I wanted to be like that. You know, I, I wanted to learn a craft. If I wanted to be a carpenter, 
I would emulate the kind of carpentry that impressed me. Um, so I wanted to be successful as an actor, and I wanted, and and the 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 volume of success, the level of success, I learned fairly soon into my beginning career is that based on the higher the level of success, the better opportunity for better parts that that all great actors are a dime a dozen. You know, the creative aspect of being a storyteller, filmmaker. You know, the quality of the material indicates the level of success. You know, mm -hmm. if you have quality material, you're going to be able to bring... Um, higher value players to every department level, and uh, and uh, and so your your the creative aspect of of the creative art form is it it increases your chance for of success because you've got the people in the top of the game, but there's then also the magic of of shit happening that you know that it comes together is always a miracle. Yeah. But you know, I I it never occurred to me. I mean, I learned about public relations and and uh, having a PR person and you know, the manipulation of public relations and and all of that stuff. I I learned about how that worked in creating a, a mystique about someone, you know, and it was just made up. It was a character. You're building a character, like a character you play in a in a play or a movie. Um, but there was it was there was like empty calories to celebrity, you know. It was just a it was a byproduct of something else I wanted, mm -hmm. and so it had no value to me personally. Uh, and then recently. A year or two ago, somebody, uh, you know, a fan came up to me and um, identified me as a celebrity. You know, they said, "I, you know, uh, um, what's it like being a celebrity? You're a celebrity. Oh, I always wanted to be a celebrity, you know, so I'm not even an actor anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I remember when the kids were younger, I, we would get invited to these these um, celebrity ski events where somebody was raising money. So you, you know, b the business model basically is you get a sponsorship and you have a ski event or it's a, or it's a beach event. And so there's uh, wave runners and, and, you know, swimming races and tennis races and golf tournaments and all of this stuff where, where the wealthy meet with, with the creative arts and you raise money. Um, and so we were at one of these things and I noticed that these reality actors from the networks were showing up, reality people. And, uh, and, th and that their, their value, that what they were doing is exactly what I was doing, you know, and I, and I was a little, I was a bit snobbish about it. Um, you know, and we, we, as a family were offered opportunities, you know, to become the, the Kardashians and, uh, it just, I never wanted to be a part of that because I know how fake it is. And, um, and I never saw the value. It's like, I always wanted to make a living, you know, being other people mm -hmm. and telling stories. And, and hopefully, you know, 
evoking um, thought and uh, the ability to laugh at yourself and seeing yourself and your family members and maybe evolving and being moved, you know, the, the ability to make people laugh and cry and think um, through entertainment was something that I always got a kick out of. Mm-hmm. How was, um, Danny, how was growing up? Because growing up in this this world is very different. You know, Leslie's from Mississippi and I'm from Nebraska and, and kind of balancing that <coughs> I was out. just raising, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I know. I know. I, I sent Danny you the article. There? Yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. You were talking at the... At Bryan Hospital, it's five yeah. minutes from my parents' house. Oh my god, <laughs> it's a small world. So it's like the law of attraction. I was like, Joey was just in Lincoln, and now he's going to be. <laughs> I love Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would ever lo- um, uh, leave or move. It, it's nice. It's a nice place to raise a family, and yeah, it was a really nice way to grow up. But growing up, like your perception of it, and also raising kids, and, and especially because in the last, you know, fifteen years it has changed more into reality TV and Instagram and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing too. Well, for me, like I've, it just, what, that's what my life was. So growing up in it now that I'm older and like see the difference and I can like reflect back on it. Like that's just, that was his job. He was in the movies and like the parties and stuff we went to, there were these other celebrities, but to me, a lot of them were just like, Oh, that's like uncle Chaz. And like, Aunt Marsha, like they—they were just people. So I liked having that perspective that like these these people were just people to me, and that was very cool. And like when people ask me about it, like, oh my god, your dad's famous. Like, what's that like? I'm like, <laughs> it's just like it—it's just normal to me because I lived in it. But now looking at it, it's like I'm trying to like gather my thoughts. Well, you're also starting your own career now. Yeah. In, and in I don't I don't want the celebrity at all. Mm-hmm. And I think now like when you when you go into this like industry and you want celebrity, go to reality TV. But like if you actually want to be an artist, do that because you don't you don't make yourself a celebrity like the world does that to you. Like they choose who's well, at the top and who's going to be. It's an empty uh, yeah. dream, yeah, like right? the but it's also, you know, uh, the, the power, you know, the, you know, the like the Donald Trump and that Billy Bush uh, off mic thing where he he said, you know, being a star. He 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 referred to himself as a star, and I was like, I I, I never understood that that yeah. uh, you know that you could have a you know like like Bob Barker. You know, I always looked at celebrity guys as like game show hosts. Right. You know, I didn't I didn't see them as as stars. I just saw them as, you know, daytime, you know, salesmen. Yeah. And uh the 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 idea I think that all of these reality shows, whether they're cooking shows or mechanic shows, there's an inherent implication that Somebody's got to die in the end. That somebody's got to you know, get caught <laughs> raping their, you know, their their granddaughter. You know that somebody's got to go to jail. You know that 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 the it's got to break down. There's got to be a breakdown. If you look at all these reality shows, people commit suicide. Um, you know they go to jail. They get out of jail. If you know if you pick a reality act and, and they they kind of like they have like their three or four years of fame. Um, 
and then they kind of like fade into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, the cooking show guys have a better shelf life. Excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's people look at this world and they don't actually understand like what's going on in it. Like kids would always be like, "Oh, it's so cool. Your dad's like." a movie star and like you must be so rich and like happy all the time you get to do all these things it's like no like we're just like any, we're totally normal that's just his job that just happens to be what he does and he's not a movie star yeah I mean hey, you he's tell not that- a movie star he's not rich you know? yeah. <laughs> I make a living I do alright I mean yeah. it's not like I'm poor but it's not like you know, it's not they like see they, me and they think that yeah. I make the same money as Brad Pitt yeah and that they saw me they're like oh and I a lot of the times I wouldn't talk about him because I would feel like it would be braggy. It's like, but your friends are like talking about like their dads and what they do. And then I'm like, oh, well, my dad's an actor. They're like, oh, your dad's an actor. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Or like, oh, your dad's an actor. Like, wow, you had to drop that, that bomb. Like, oh, cool. Like you're bragging. It's like, no, that's just what he does. So I would always feel like guilty about talking about it because people would just assume something about me. Like a bunch of girls in high school thought I was like a snotty little bitch because my dad was an actor. And I was like, I was like, but you are a snotty little bitch. <laughs> As your father, I must say, you're a snotty little bitch. You're allowed to say that. Joey, what kind of advice have you given Danny coming into producing and writing and directing? Like, what have you instilled in her? Or maybe you can share what oh, he's... Well, I mean, the sides. thing that comes to my mind is, is like to work harder than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, write... You know, find three hours a day that, that you're doing that. Three hours a night, do it. You know, it's like, it's easy for me to tell her this because I'm not doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so why aren't you doing that? It's like, it's harder than it sounds. Hard. Yeah, but it, it, it is hard. And those those who work at it um, and have something to say and... Um, Eventually learn a craft, mm-hmm. you know, find a voice, the ability to create a voice. Um, but, you know, elbow grease. Yeah. It's just really, you know, busting your ass and doing it, you know, and, uh, you know, again, it was unattainable. When I was in 1970, for me to want this, it wasn't like everybody wanted it. It was mm-hmm. unattainable. I think most of my family members, except for my father, Flory, my friends, like, who do you think you are to have that dream? You're not entitled to that dream. Now everybody Everybody has that wants dream. that dream. And, and, it, and everybody's capitalizing on that dream. And all these people are, you know, giving them opportunities, you know, like taking their money and the acting classes and, you know, and casting agents are doing it, you know, and, and, you know, commercial acting teachers and dramatic acting teachers and writing courses. And because of shows like, um, you know, that HBO show Entourage and the, and that, you know, People Magazine, those evening magazine shows, everybody wants to be in show business. Uh, and uh, and so you can get every you get everybody for a bowl of rice and a five dollar bill. You know you want to work for you want to work on a movie. Yeah, okay, five dollars for twelve hours and a bowl of rice. That's it. Well, that's part of the reason too why I think um, if unless you're like a part 
of the unions and everything's being done the way that it's supposed to, it's hard nowadays to be respected as like, if you are coming through it and you've had years that you've been working on, on projects as a, as a writer, a director, producer, whatever it is, like as you come through, I feel like nowadays it's a lot harder to gain that respect um, because everyone thinks they can do it. But it's not, nobody respects me. I'm not, I'm not looking for respect. (laughs) I'm looking for a good fucking job, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and I've, and I'm, and I've got a, a, I've got a, a legacy of work so that, that the buyer, you know, I always look at myself as a, you know, full of a Cutco uh, knife salesman. I'm selling these knives, right? Mm-hmm. And they're good quality knives, but there are other good quality knives you can buy, and some are more and some are less. And, uh, you know, so uh, I'm just going in and trying to get a job. And uh, based on what the value of your work, what they want to see what's in it for them. How, how do they profit from your talent? Where do you fit into that puzzle? You know, who gives a shit about respect? You know, this is the worst business to be in if you want you want to be respected and admired. Definitely the wrong choice of words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I was just telling him with everything that's going on in the industry now and everything we already knew was happening in it. Like, I don't know if I want to, like, be successful at that level. Like, is is it worth it that, like, the people you have to deal with and the attitudes that you're just supposed to put up with, like, I don't want to compromise, like, who I am to do any of that. Like, I'd rather just make a sh- little movie that, like, means something to three people that makes zero dollars than, like, make a blockbuster and deal with, like, awful humans doing awful things. That's the nice thing about technology and the way it is now is that you can actually do that. Yeah. You can have a cooperative where everybody can own a piece of the action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made a movie last year, more, of, more as a, a, an experiment because my friends were making it, mm-hmm. but it was like, I think it, we got something like $100 a day and we own, everybody owned a piece of the movie and we get first money out once the movie you know, starts selling, selling territories. Uh, but we were able to make the movie for like two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars as a result of that, and it was a movie that we were able to make that wouldn't get made otherwise. And so, um, you know, as an experiment, it was like something that I wanted to try. It was like I, I remember thinking it was, you know, uh, October, and it was like, well, it's like seven, it's like eight days work. Now, do I want to go and do this, or do I want to sit on the couch and watch Turner Classic movies? <laughs> You know, so so. Uh, Which movie was that? Oh God, um, that's the one with Elaine, right? Yeah, Elaine Hendricks. Yeah. I, I forget what it's called, even, but it's an interesting project, mm-hmm. and you know, it'll take two, three years for them to start editing it together. But these experiments, we I've done some, and we've seen the results of some. It was horrible, you know, it's like <laughs> unwatchable. Uh, which is good. You'd rather it be unwatchable than, you know, mediocre and it gets released. Hopefully if it's unwatchable, uh, <laughs> you will release it. nobody will ever see it. Um, that's what I'm banking on. Uh, uh, but I, 
you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what, you know, what's going to happen. I think a lot of it, we heard Kate Winslet talking about her career the other night. And, uh, you know, one of the things she said is like, yeah, okay, I'm Kate Winslet. But it all began with being incredibly lucky that at 17 years old, I was cast in a movie that catapulted me into Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like... Wasn't they, that like the first thing she like really auditioned for and like just happened to get the part? Well, she had already... She, had 50, she was working at 14 and 15 years old. She was doing... You know, British television, right. sitcoms. But, but I think it was like the first. This was film. Peter Peter Jackson's yeah. first movie that was um, revolutionary. Uh, I, I forget the name of the movie. Something now. creatures or something. Yeah. Heavenly creatures. Heavenly creatures, which Heavenly is creatures. an amazing film, and uh, and uh, and the inc- and she's incredible in it. Um, but she kept emphasizing the ability. You know that luck. How much luck has to do with it? How much luck has to do with it? And I'm always talking about, you know, I, I've said that to Daniela. I said, you know, you have to be willing to be lucky. You know, you have to, you have to create the uh, space for luck to touch you. And, uh, and it's over and over and over again. It's not like, it's not like one big break. It's, it's a thousand little breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I um, keep thinking about as you guys are talking about is enjoying the process versus looking for results. Because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that celebrity status is a result. And like you said, like making a, a shoestring budget movie that really touches a few people, like that's enjoying the process of it, which I think is really cool that whether you've observed from your from your dad and his career or something you instilled in Danny, like that's what I think the true artists are about is really rolling yeah. your sleeves up and exactly. And like, I think you're successful in this industry. If like you're, if you're doing it because you love doing it, like you guys were talking about earlier, it's like, you don't want to do anything else like this. You wish you could, but like there's something that draws you to this, whether you're, you know, an A-list, you know, movie star or just someone who's just regularly acting and that that's enough for you. And that's when, you know, like, you're successful and doing it for the right reasons. And then you have the people that do it just because they want to be a celebrity and their careers are very short lived. And but a lot of, also I know in my own and, and in my own story and a lot of, uh, a lot of historically the evidence is out that, a lot of successes, creative successes, are built on resentment. You know that, you know, and and the insecurity of of being having these these childhood traumas that build the character that that says, "I'll show them." You know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna bust out and I'm going to be successful and then I'll show them. It gives you bravery to be bold. You know what I mean? Like well, that, yeah. that. Well, it's like you got to, I always looked at being brave as just shutting your eyes and running through the wall and hoping you get past the other side. And in most cases, you know, it's a veil. It's very thin glaze that you can get through. You just got to do it. You just got to jump in the water. 
Uh, you've just got to say, oh, you just got to ask for help. You've, you know, you, you, you've got to be persistent and, uh, um, and you got to do the work. You know, but again, there are so many people out there and, you know, there are movie stars that aren't actors that become incredible, you know, enormous movie stars because that's the difference. I'm not a movie star, I'm an actor. You know, um, and I remember, I remember when my agents, you know, my agent of like 18 years, they fired me uh, because they figured that I had had a good run and it was just not, there was no value in, in it for them to continue to represent me um, because they had bigger names that they didn't, you know, why would they break their ass getting me this part, you know, for 200 grand where they could get, um, give it to, you know, have, you know, a movie star do it for 2 million. Mm -hmm. So he's like, they, you know, working against their own financial best interest. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you had a great run. There'll always be a job for Joey Pants. And, uh, and, uh, what else did he say? Uh, I forget, my, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah. So he said, you, you had a great run. There'll always be a job for Joey Pants. And, that audiences don't understand the quality of acting anymore. Kids don't know. They, mm -hmm. All they see is familiar, familiar. So there is no value, and there's no longer going to pay for that value, which he was 100% right. He's 100% right. So good actors don't get paid anymore. Mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, they, they pay the people that are going to be put in the seats and either I'm home, you know, licking my wounds, uh, you know, laying on my couch, or I'm going to do what I was trained to do and, uh, and be grateful that I did make a living. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's, it, it's so funny, like hearing you talk about it, because um, I don't think I've ever thought about the industry in that way, in the sense of like wanting to do it for the purpose of people knowing who I am. I just want to make a living. <laughs> Well, but that's, be, but, that, but that's hard to but do. But that's hard to do also. You yeah, know, making and, a living at show business, you know, in show business, you, you know, really, it, it, you can't make a living. You, you got to make a killing. killing. <laughs> uh, Clearly, you've heard that before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've had the, I've had the good fortune of make, making small fortunes, you know, about five or six times over the last 35 years. Um, but I remember one of my very first agents saying, make... You know, make a living at what you love doing, and everything after that is gravy. It's icing on the cake. Um, well, I don't. But that's why I think it's important to do everything. That's why I think it's important yeah. to write. That's why I think it's important to direct, tell stories. You, you, you know, making movies every goddamn weekend, mm -hmm. um, because you can do it. And if mm -hmm. you're not doing it, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. But I think also I was going to say a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of downtime between projects that actors aren't, even big actors aren't getting, you know, paid for. And mm -hmm. you could do a show for 10 years and then not work for another. But look at, look at all your big movie stars, these kids today. They're all advertising. 
the the agencies, as far as I can see, when I was in show business, their base was the middle class actor. Their base was the technicians, their DPs. They made their bread and butter. They turned on the lights every month from from the, those workers, right? The DPs, art production designers, art directors, those below the line players. Now, there's not even any money. How many movie stars are there? How many people make $5 million a picture? I mean, what are they, 30, 40? So you can't run these big agencies. So the agencies are being bought out by corporations so that the agents can cash out. And they're representing these corporations and putting their, their clients in the commercials. Yeah. And that's where the clients are making money. 20, 15 years ago, you wouldn't catch George Clooney doing a commercial uh, in America. Harrison Ford, you know, these guys would do these commercials in Japan only, right? Where, where Americans couldn't see, there was, a, there was a mystique about it. You didn't do that. You just didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I was, I was in the city the other day and I saw, what's her name? Who hasn't been in a movie in a couple of years? You know, Black Swan. What's that actress? Natalie Portman. Yeah. Portman. Natalie Portman's like on you know on a on a bus billboard selling perfume. Mm -hmm. um, they're all doing. Um, they're all representing products, and some of the smarter actresses and actors uh, start companies. So yeah. they're not in the entertainment industry anymore. The entertainment industry is really a small portion of their portfolio. Mm -hmm. You know, George just, who's I think is a brilliant guy, incredibly talented, and somebody I've admired and known forever. Uh, but, you know, to be able to start this, this vodka company, I think it was, or tequila company with Randy Morton, and then they, they sell it for 600 million bucks, you know, $300 million each. That's, that's a... Something that an agent can make a you know a nice investment on ten percent of three hundred million dollars. So that's they're, they're getting into that business, CAA and ICM, and you know they're all they're all multi conglomerates partnering up, mm -hmm. and so you know acting is a dying art form. Yeah. Oh uh, well, I might as well cash out now. Now I'm joking. <laughs> I wish, like we said, I wish I could. Um, what were you gonna say? Still live in the theater, but yeah, it's a very. Well, but even now that that they're creeping in on the theaters because uh, they need yeah. people to see shows, so they put you they know put, at least in the actors. Broadway, the Broadway realm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they still do it there too. They've been doing it for, for time and memoriam. You know, it's like the Comic Con. I I talk about this. I don't know if I've ever talked about it. In. Uh, on camera or on the air. But I, I noticed, I believe that when I was a kid, there was regional theater, summer theater, there was theater everywhere. And a lot of these people, like I, I did, one of my first big jobs was doing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Robert Forster. And we went all over the country, these, these summer theaters where you'd play a week and you'd rotate. And so we were following John Astin and Patty, um, Patty uh, Duke in, uh, in uh, a play that they were doing. And, you know, and then 
uh, John Raitt, Bonnie Raitt's dad, was coming in with Oklahoma after us, you know. So it was like plays, celebrities, performing, and that's how you got to see them. Now it's Comic-Cons. Now the, you don't have to do anything. You sit at a folding <laughs> card table, and they come up to you, and, it, you know, they want to get a selfie, and it costs them $30. And it's like you get to meet your fans, they get to meet you. They get a selfie. They say, look, I met Joe Panigliano. You know, I, I met this guy. I met that guy. I, you know, it's like, but, it, it, you know, you, I don't have to learn any lines. I don't have to put on any makeup. <laughs> but I like learning lines. I like performing. I like putting on makeup. I wish there was, I could go around doing plays. Um, but that, that, that medium is dying. And it's, it's way more money. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they well, if they do five too. if they do five autographs, if they got they got five people that they want to meet and get autographs, that's three, six, nine, twelve. That's one hundred and fifty dollars. That's the price of a ticket for a play. Well, it's a lot faster too, right? If you're going around the country doing plays, that's a whole summer, or you know, you're in a theater for six weeks or whatever it is, and yeah, for the rehearsal phase and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot more it's work. A, it, it's an instant thing. Uh, the the uh, the way it the way society we're like sheep, <laughs> you know, and and marketing the marketing and the the ver vertical integration of I mean talk show hosts go to Comic Con now, you know Joy Reid went to Comic Con I was seeing this morning and she's interviewing all these guys and then she's got her own table and she's signing autographs so. You know, I'm not part of the solution. I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not making anything better. I'm just like, you know. Uh, yeah, but you have you have a family to take care of too. So at the end of the day, you know, if you're given an opportunity, yeah, it's I, hard I, to balance that. Like, you know, when do you take? When do you not? I think that's part of the corruption of. Society and where we are right now, and in yeah, many uh, industries too. Huh? Sorry, in many industries too, like taking. I mean, I was just talking to a graphic designer last night, and she's like, "I have to stop taking jobs that have no meaning." But usually, they're the ones that pay the most. So I think it's it's in a lot of different industries, not just our business. That's why I work less now because when I was, you know, ten years ago, I made my biggest money on the shittier projects. You know, it's like, no, they throw money at you. No, we'll give them this much. No, we'll give them that much. More, more, more. Okay, well, I can't say no to that. <laughs> and then you do the shitty job. And so the better projects, you, did, you always did for nothing because you were afraid they would get, you know, they're going to go to the next guy and the next guy, you know, whatever. So, um, but now they don't want to pay yet, no matter what. So I just try to do the projects that are stimulating to me. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, so it used to be one for the art, one for the location, and one for the money. And now they're all for the, you know, the art. That's a nice place to be. It's a nice place. To well, be. I mean, I don't work a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but when you do, it counts. Uh, Danny, when you get an idea for a short film or a project, you run it by your dad, and does he give you advice or sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the times I'll tell him about something and he'll give me advice. And then sometimes it's also like 
He doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like anything else. Like if you, if I was like I know. a lawyer I and know. my dad was a lawyer, lawyer. Yeah. It's like, you know, he tells me all this stuff. It's like, oh, I know. I know. You said it a thousand times. Okay, dad. Okay. But then, you know, part of me just like has to realize he has like a lot to offer me and I have to just be like, stop being like, oh, he's your dad. Like so annoying and just be like, wait, he's like a teacher. Like he actually has a lot of knowledge that I can benefit from. Yeah. And what I've, what I've learned from, from the, you know, the great filmmakers is that a good idea is a good idea mm-hmm. and they don't give a shit who's, who's it was, you know, it's like, that's a, you know, that's a great idea. If, if everybody loves it, I'll take credit for it later. But, but in the meantime, holy shit, let's do that. Um, you know, they are, everybody says it's a collaborative medium, and then yeah. when everybody's collaborating, the, the 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 least among us, the, you know, the I always find that the guys that are have the least on the ball are the ones that want to control everything. Because filmmakers, <laughs> people want to be in show business for all the wrong reasons too. Mm-hmm. They want to be the boss. They want to be the boss of everybody else. They, you know, mm-hmm. um, they want to be the or auteur and uh and they're they're not the uniter as much as the guys that i worked with that uh, you know that i learned the most from were guys that had a singular idea in their in their mind They, they knew the story they wanted to tell and uh and they they created a a platoon of of players and craftsmen to go out you know roll up their sleeves and 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 tell these individual stories and these frame lines uh with a page count every day you know on a call sheet if you boil it down to its barest minimum is it's like the call sheet the day of the call, how many pages, what the page count is, and uh, and getting it all done in twelve hours, uh, and then you know putting all these little bitty pieces together that becomes a story, something mm-hmm. that's entertaining, mm-hmm. uh, you know that's got to be entertaining first and foremost. So true. We were talking about that earlier with Danny, how especially right now with everything going on in the world, people just want to escape more now more than ever. And so those shows that are about government or more serious, like nobody wants to watch them because right we feel like we're watching it every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're living in it instead of watching it. Well, you know, it's escapism, isn't it? It's like, you know, I escape through the, my work or, you know, people escape through a couple of Vicodin, uh, you know. Or, you know, chasing a, a young actress around the room, begging her to, you know, watch him jerk off in a flower <laughs> pot. Uh, you know, it's like, <sighs> we are a six, you know, we're a society that's completely sick. I think there are two types of people. There are those of us that know that we're crazy, and there are those of us that haven't yet figured it out. <laughs> well, let's hope they do. Because um, it, it would probably make it a lot easier if they did. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. So when you're saying you only do projects, what is it for you um, now when you're gonna when you decide that you're gonna dive in and do a project? What is it that pulls you to things normally? Like what's the what's the catalyst that makes you want to be a part of a project? You know the the uh, the materials. Materials good. Uh, 
compelling, um, unique, uh, you know, like strong story, strong, good, good idea, great idea. But a lot of times, it, you know, it's, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. You know, a lot of times it's like, ugh, all right, nothing else going on. <laughs> Most of the time, that's what it is. Not like I'm not the, you know, every great part I've ever got to play, if you look at, the, at my wall, you know, I was, I guess in The Fugitive, I was Andy's first choice. But, you know, every, like, bound, uh, six guys turned it down before I, they came to me. Uh, Memento, a couple of guys turned it down. I was not, I was never anybody's first choice ever. And I was, you know, and I'm proud of that. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if I'm the seventh choice. I just want to get the job. Now, you know, it's like same thing when you go in with an audition, you know, in those five minutes, the part is yours mm -hmm. and you're going in there and you're playing it and, uh, and you hope that they invite you to the party. <laughs> Out of all the roles you've played, is there one that that you enjoyed the most, or you're you, you're still like kind of attracted to, or or you had a, the best experience with, or? No, I, I mean I I don't re, you know I try not to remember the characters as much as I you know I just kind of brush them away, and you know the experiences the fun that I had, the friendships that I made uh, is, is what I hold on to, mm -hmm. you know, like that was fun and the people were fun and places I got to go to. That's I mean, that's the great thing is, is that I've got to go all over the world with these jobs that I've never, you know, we, we don't traditionally as a family, we don't take many vacations. We, or, you know, daddy's got a job. Yeah, that was our vacation, was going to visit him on set. <laughs> yeah. It really was. That's like what our trips were. And it was always really fun, and the people were always really great. And when we did, when we did U.S. Marshals, Tommy Lee Jones rented... Oh, yeah, we were on his houseboat. We rented a houseboat, and we rented a... We rented a, a like a 24-foot boat, and we were living on, on this river... I mean, I was little, so I don't remember so much, but I remember that. But Robert, Robert Downey would come with his son, and uh, and they and then every we would all get on on uh, the boat, the rental boat, and we take the rental boat to the houseboat that had a a, a slide, and then we go water skiing, and <laughs> yeah, that's what we did on our weekends, you know. Uh, and then for the Matrix, the we were in Australia for like a summer. That was memories. that vacation. Yeah. yeah, we and we went to the Great Barrier Reef and I, I got certified. Yeah. I, I always thought when I was doing the Matrix, I thought I wanted to write a, a travel book seeing Australia on twenty five hundred dollars a week per diem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is nineteen ninety seven, so you can get pretty far on twenty five hundred dollars right. a week. Yeah. US. Um, but those are the experiences that I, rem I, I that I remember. Um you know, when we were making The Matrix, I, I, I re just remember thinking that this is going to be unusually, it's going to be unique. Don't know if it's ever going to make a nickel, but it's going to, it's going to be groundbreaking in a way. Because um, by then I'd, I'd done Bound with the Wachowskis, and I really, 
enjoyed working. I mean, I I had a lot of fun. They made it fun. Um, and, uh, you know, Spielberg was, you know, just amazing to work for and just so open. And I always was most fascinated in, in his, his working style and imagination and the ability to use um, uh, behavior to tell the story. And, um, and same thing with Chris, you know, Chris Nolan. And, and I've, I personally have had amazing good fortune with first-time filmmakers. Like I did Taylor Hack for his first movie. And I did Michael Bay's first movie, and I did Andy Davis's first, and uh, I did uh, Chris Nolan's first movie, um, the Wachowskis' first movie. So I've been very fortunate, and and I I have to be proud to say that that I maintained a friend a friendship with them and a working relationship with them, and they've all asked me to work with them again, and that you know, and a lot of actors don't have that. I. Mm. Um, that goes back to the luck being open. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the luck. I and heard. then um, one thing as we've been talking to filmmakers is relationships and being collaborative and being easy to work with but still doing your job efficiently. Yeah. Um, it's kind of amazing sometimes when people just aren't great on set. They're not great humans on set and they make the the environment Toxic. rough on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We know people like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we all know people yeah. like that. But but yeah, it's it's good to know that when you have those values at heart, that it really does help to make, you know, to keep you doing what you love to do. And that was also something you would say to me a lot as advice is like, it's a relationship business. It's about who you are as a person. Like talent will get you far, but really it's like your charisma and if people like you, they'll want to keep working with you. So yeah. like be a really good person and also be hardworking and have your talent and work on your craft. But a lot of it, especially this industry is just like, if people well, like Sue, you and you're Sue, good, you're golden. Sue Patrick Cola, who, who's a publicist forever and old friend of ours. And was one time she said, look, you know, if you, if you look at show business as like the rat shit business that you sell rat shit. And it's like, <laughs> And is why is why is uh, you know the guy across the street buying the ratchet from you and not the other ratchet salesman? Because you deliver good quality ratchet <laughs> on time at a at a fair and decent price, and it's going to get there, and they don't have to worry about getting their ratchet after they order it. You know, so it's 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 a it's a people business. It's a relation, and that transcends to every business model. Yeah. Danny, are there roles or um, jobs you've seen your dad do that have inspired you or inspired projects that you either have made or want to make? I don't know. I mean, I honestly haven't seen that many <laughs> of his movies because he dies in a lot of them. Oh. And that's like was a big. Well, a lot of it was I was younger and a lot yeah. of his movies are R-rated and stuff I just couldn't watch at that age. Now, most of them I can, except for The Sopranos. He says he never wants me. <laughs> he doesn't remember saying this, but I specifically remember him saying he never wanted me to see him as that character, as that person. Um, but everything else I can watch. But he dies in a lot of the things and that's like, even though I know it's fake, even though I could watch it with him next to me, it's still 
like that connection is still there. So seeing that is very yeah scary for me. So I, I don't yeah, so I didn't think of that either. My favorite movies of his is like The Goonies and Baby's Day Out. Like <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. and then Canvas is one, and actually The Amateurs is another one of my favorites because he's hilarious in that one. But um, the more comedies, Joey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like him as a person, like is inspiring. So like. But his specific work, I can't think of like a movie specifically, but just like his work, hard work for it is what like I see. And that's like inspiring. So, well, and oh, you could also talk about, I mean, we, it, this is a great opportunity to promote just getting started, which opens December 8th nationwide <laughs> that uh, nice. I did with Ron Shelton. Um, who wrote and directed Bull Durham and Tin Cup, and it stars Tommy Lee Jones and Morgan Freeman and and Rene Russo and great ensemble uh, casting actors, uh, the late great Glenn Headley uh, and Elizabeth Ashley and Deborah. Uh, oh wait, not Deborah. Uh, Sarah Lee Ralph and and Graham Beckel and George. Wallace, uh, and it's a, it's a comedy that takes place in a retirement village. Um, <laughs> Looks I awesome. saw photos of it online. Mm-hmm. The trailer's hilarious. <laughs> the trailer is hilarious, and uh, hopefully it'll be good. People, you know, people are, everybody's saying how the movie business, nobody's going to the movies. Well, I think a lot of the movies stink, and that's why they're not going to the movies. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so if, it's, uh, if they got something that's good, that's entertaining, that's worth, you know, the $14, they're going to, Sit through it. That's worth getting off your couch, mm-hmm. turning off the Netflix, <laughs> driving to the theater. I think it's that too. I totally agree with that. So have the two of you collaborated together? Um, Never like to the finish of anything, but we have <laughs> a lot of things. And, you know, with the MFI stuff, like he's always very helpful um, with like going through my scripts and like he'd like come visit me on set. And a lot of the time I eventually kick him off. I'm like, you can't be here anymore. It's like too much. Um, But no, we definitely do. I think the one I really want to make happen is the last film I did at MFI, the one about the artist. I want to like extend that out and have him play the artist. I was just going to say, because I think in the back of my mind, he was like, because my actor was like, oh, you, this is your dad, he wrote. And I was like, I guess it is. And like my directions to him, he's like, so you just want me to play your dad? And I was like, I guess that is what I'm saying. But like, right, it was right so what much. you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, so I'm always the last to know. That's the one. That's the one I'd like to like work on with him. I think that could be really cool. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. And then we always have ideas that we like tell each other and we're like, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We just have to do it. But that's hard too. Just like sitting down and like, Doing all the yeah, work. great ideas are a dime a dozen. It's it's it, you know putting it together yeah. and finishing it and selling it. I mean, a lot of people. But what doesn't get talked about a lot is the the commerce part of of art. You know, the commerce part of story. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you can write a great script, but you got to get bankable actors, and then you've got to get somebody that's going to finance it, and um, you know so that. I read a great Fellini autobiography where he talked about the worst, as far as he was concerned, the worst thing that ever happened to him was eight and a half because uh, its success 
uh, in the success of that film and uh, the financial success and the, the the awards that followed, then everybody just wanted him to keep making eight and a half. He, he I have a new idea. No, 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 make eight and a half. We don't mm-hmm. want new ideas. We want we want mo- mo- ideas that make money. That this one work, do it again, do it again. What is that famous? Uh, is it? Gold, uh, gold one that said it. It's like give us the same thing but different. I don't. Re- I don't know. Oh the yeah, it's like the head of Samuel Goldwyn. I think is the one that said it. It's like a very famous quote, and I can't remember how it goes, but it, it goes. It goes along with that where it's like just give us the same thing because it works, but do it a little differently. One of my, my, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is the Louis B. Mayer quote that he gave the young actoress, uh, actor, actress, actor. He said, you know, the most important thing about acting is the sincerity. Once you learn to fake that, you got it made. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is a good one. <laughs> Joey, if you could go back in time, would you give your younger self any advice for your career or anything you would say to yourself? I just wish I was luckier. <laughs> <laughs> the quote she's like researching the quote (laughs) but it's something like that it's like you know because all the movies they want original but they don't want it so original that's not gonna work well it's hard to put your money in something that like if you know what you're getting that's an easier thing for investors to put their money in than something yeah like you want to do this really weird different idea like if I'm going to put my money in it, I want a return on it. It's so. easier to gauge the expectations of what you're going to get out of it when it's something that yeah, well, you've you know, seen and, before. And, and mm-hmm. why shouldn't they? You know, yeah. it's like... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about that last night at dinner with a bunch of um, college friends, and we all are kind of in a similar creative industry, and they were asking me about, like, producing and stuff. They're like, well, what if they don't get their money? I'm like, well, most of these people if they're investing one, they could lose the money. Like they, they're not too worried about it or they're really passionate about it or they're investing in things they know. Like it's, it's not about what the project means to them. It's like what the project will make a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Who's in For it? some people, yeah, you know, but then there are the people who find a project and they really do believe in it. And they're like, yes, like, I don't care if, you know, I can afford to lose, lose this money. Let's make something brilliant. And then there's like the studios that are just like, well, let's just make a crappy movie. Even if we're going to, lose money like though they don't have money to lose they have like endless amount of funds <laughs> so they can make like a well, billion dollar movie and make nothing on it a lot of superhero movies right now and a lot of sequels and a lot of you know reboots, remakes reboots and, and all this stuff and and i love the rock like i was saying but he's in everything and and he makes all this all these movies and i don't even know if they're making a lot of money but he is. I mean, he, he is. is. Yeah, I was gonna he's say. Brilliant. He's I know, brilliant. I know that he's he is. I know that guy. he's one of the <laughs> top paid like um, people, like stars right now. Oh, I guess that's what I was saying. Like, you put him in all these movies, and then people will see it. Like that. Well, I think that's the guarantee. They're not going to give. They're not going to give somebody twenty million dollars. They, they they feel that that twenty million dollars pays for itself. Mm-hmm. That 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 mega star will carry at least guarantee that part of the weekend. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, Harrison Ford gets $100 million to do Star Wars, 
it, it, it opens. I mean, he, he knows his value, and they're not doing it for old Lang Syde. Yeah. You know, they, that movie made a billion bucks. Yeah. So much money. I know. I know. I can't even. That doesn't make <laughs> sense do to my brain. Right? What kind of movie? Well, you know, like you make? look at this. If they made the movie, if the movie cost them, uh, let's say it cost them a hundred. Let's say it cost two. They got to spend two, also. So uh, you know, in advertising and prints, and you know, getting people to know that the movie is there. If, they, they, if, if the movie grosses domestically two hundred million dollars. The studio's only getting half of that because the distributors. Now, some in most cases, the distributors and the studio are the same now. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like you know, when, at the end of the day, if you make a bill, a movie makes a billion dollars, and you're into it, you know, you're you're walking away with seven seventy million, one hundred and twenty million. Um, you know, wh- why all the risk? Yeah. Why risk a half a billion dollars to make a million, you know, you could put that in the stock market <laughs> and make way yeah. more money. Yeah. Yeah, the risk reward is higher. Like, Yeah, I mean, but a lot of these companies, a lot of these big companies now, like Amazon, they've got so much money. Or, you know, uh, the guy that uh, um, invented FedEx, who gave his, his daughter... Uh, a billion dollars, and she's got a, a production company. A lot of these production companies are just trust fund babies. You know, they think it'd be fun making movies. <laughs> I need to find one of those people. Yeah, right? I know. Become their friend. <laughs> <laughs> just give me your money. It's fine. <laughs> I have these scripts. I have these stories. That's Let's great. Let's make them. Thank you guys so much yeah, for talking to for... us. It was so great. It's my pleasure. I wish you a lot of luck. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. And we'll, we'll take it clearly, especially after yeah. this conversation, yeah, since know. we know it's so important. <laughs> Opening up the room for all the luck. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks. Danny, we'll post um, some of your movies too. Oh God! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, whichever ones you want us to, yeah, you can. I, I del- you know, you can- they're all fine. They're all two all- of them. All three. There's three. There are three. three. I was going to say, yeah. I watched three yesterday. Yeah. yeah, no, I it's mean. It's a good start. Not, not start too many people right? in their 20s have three short films under their belt. So. Why, don't you do, why don't you make another one right away? Like in three weeks. Give yourself a deadline. I'll do it I, with I you. have Let's some scripts. We need to, yeah, we need to just go. I mean, I have, I have, it's just like the time and. I know. What time? That's all we got. I know. That's That's all we we have. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.